Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. All right, how's everybody doing today? How are you guys online? If you're doing good, let us know. Give us a thumbs up. Tell us you're glad you're here today. Man, today's going to be an exciting day. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. As I said, it is going to be a fantastic, fantastic day. You guys ready? You ready to receive today? Praise God. Amen. Well, we've been in a series for the last several weeks um, called Heroes Versus Villains. And uh, I talked about my greatest villain. And, and my greatest villain is me. Your greatest villain is you, as we talked about before. Remember that? That's, the, that's how that is. Uh, then last, the second week, I, I brought my personal hero. And, and uh, that was my good friend, Jose. He was here in the first service today. And, and what a blessing he is to me. Continue to pray for, for Jose through everything that he has gone through. Last week, I talked to you about heroes in training. And that's what you are. If, if you don't feel like a hero today, you are a hero in training. And that, that means maybe nobody knows your name. That means that there are some things about you that you just don't quite feel like you're a hero yet, but you are a hero in training. Amen? Yes. Today, I want to talk to you about a guy that had kind of an alter ego, somebody that had a little bit of an alter ego this morning. And so I'm just going to be sharing with you. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here he is. Who are I'm you? Batman. Who are you? You're Batman. Oh, man, give it up for Batman. He is a really, really good sport. I love Laz, man. What an awesome guy. He is Batman, and he's making your kids have a great day today. But uh, Batman had an alter ego. Like, he, he was Bruce Wayne, born to these two wealthy Gotham City socialites, brought up in the Wayne Manor, had this privileged existence until at the age of eight, his parents were killed by a small-time criminal. Bruce Wayne swears an oath at that point to rid the city of evil that had taken his parents' lives, and he engages in intense intellectual and physical training. However, he realizes that these skills alone would not be enough. So he becomes Batman. That's, that's who Batman is, right? He flips the script. He goes from, from Bruce Wayne to Batman, and every time they put the, 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 the bat signal up, not the cross, but the bat signal. Isn't that cool, though? Isn't our production team really awesome? Yeah, come on. We don't, we don't call on the bat. We call on the Jesus. We call on the cross and the cross of Christ. Um, but every time that there was a need, every time that there was a situation, uh, that, that's what would go up. That's what would happen. Today I want to talk to you about another guy in the, the New Testament. And he had an alter ego. Um, his name was Saul. And in Acts chapter 7, like this guy was an amazing like, lawyer. He knew the word of God. Like he was a Pharisee. And in Acts chapter 7, you, you find where he's in this place where he's really trying to um, just kind of blot out anybody that goes against what he believes and what they believe, the, the Pharisee sect. And, and so there is a group of people known as the Christians, the followers of the way. And these were people that, that uh, uh, believed that Jesus was the, the crucified Messiah, but that he was also the resurrected Messiah. And so... Paul didn't believe that. Paul didn't see that. Paul didn't know that. And so he wanted to get rid of these people that were causing an uproar in Jerusalem and the surrounding cities. And so he began to be a part of this campaign to kill 
Christians. He was there in Acts chapter 7. If you read it yourself, he was there when they stoned Stephen, Stephen being the very first martyr. He gave his approval on his death. Acts chapter 8, he goes around and he's beginning to destroy the church, going from house to house, literally knocking down doors and pulling out Christians, persecuting Christians, men and women. This guy hates the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 9, it says he's still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He plans this trip to Damascus. I mean, Damascus is is way north of Jerusalem, their hometown, where they're at, 140 miles away. That may not seem like a long ways, but if you don't have a car or a train or a plane, that is a long ways away. He was that committed that he was willing to go on a 10-day journey to go persecute, imprison, and even kill the Christians that were stepping up, that were standing up for Jesus there in Damascus. Like, he was, he was committed to what he believed. He was committed to what he also didn't believe in, which were the followers of the way. But while he was on his trip, while he was on his journey to Damascus, he was struck with lightning. He had this bright light that flashed on him. And, and I've heard preachers say, maybe it was lightning. Maybe he actually got struck by lightning. So be careful what you do when it goes against the, the way of God. But the, as he, he, he sees this bright light, he falls off of his horse and and, and uh, the voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says to, to uh, he responds, he says, who are you, Lord? And the response is, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. You see, Saul knew that, that it was the Lord that was doing this to him. Saul knew it was the Lord that kicked him off his horse, but Saul didn't know that the Lord was Jesus. He didn't put two and two together, but that's exactly who it was. You see, Saul thought he was doing the right thing. Saul thought he was going the right way. But God stopped him in his tracks. And he says, I know you think you know who you are, but I have to stop you because if I don't stop you, you won't fulfill the purpose that I have for you. You won't be able to do the greater things that I have for you. It's good to you, not to anybody else, that you're killing and persecuting Christians, but this is not good, this is not right, and I've got to flip the script. I've got to change the course of your life. So he knocks him off his horse, he blinds him, and he's sitting blind for three days, for three days. If you're taking notes, you have your worship guide, you can look there and fill in this blank in the back. It says sometimes we need to see when we are blind. Sometimes you need to see when you are blind. Does that make sense? Think about it long enough to, to let it set with you for just a minute. You don't know you're blind, you can't see that you're blind. Sometimes we need to see when we are blind. That's where Paul was. Anyone ever been there? You thought you were doing the right thing only to find out it's all wrong. You're hurting people. You're not helping them. And that's where Paul, Saul was. At the same time this happens to Saul, the Lord speaks to another guy. His name is Ananias. And uh, he's, he talks to Ananias. Ananias is in Damascus. And the Lord says to Ananias, go talk to Saul. And Ananias is like, no way. I know who Paul is or Saul is. He came to kill us. And Jesus just says, do it. And so uh, you can find that in Acts chapter 9. So Ananias shows up probably very hesitantly thinking, you know, this guy's going to, you know, pull out a, uh, you know, something on me and take me out. But Ananias prays and he prays for, for Saul and it says something like scales fall from his eyes and Saul begins to see. Paul begins to see. It says he spent several days in Damascus and he began to preach and this was his, his message, Jesus is the son of God. Amen? Amen? This was his new message. It was his, his old message was, 
the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus are the enemies of God. But all of a sudden, he got flipped. He got knocked off his horse, and he says, Jesus is the Son of God. He goes from persecuting to preaching about Jesus. Amen? Saul had a zeal for God. He had a zeal for God. He was, he was this Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, but it was a misdirected zeal. And sometimes people have a, a zeal for God or for anything else, but they allow their own motives and agendas to distract them from what it is that God wants to do. I mean, you have a zeal and you're so excited, you're on fire for this thing, but it's a misdirected zeal for that thing that it is that God wants to do. In fact, this is what uh, Paul says in Romans 10. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved, for I can testify to them. And and he was an Israelite. He is an Israelite. But he's talking about these people that haven't had the scales removed. He said that they may be saved, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. They, they, they have a zeal, but it's a misdirected zeal. You see, Saul was like some people in our culture today. I call them the Gen Zeal. You, you ever heard of Gen Zeal? Not Gen Z. Gen Z is just that group, age 12 to 26. But Gen Zeal is a generation of people that think they're doing good. They think they're being a hero, but actually they're doing more harm than good. That's the Gen Zeal. Think about, for example, a social justice warrior that could be misguided by the media or TikTok, and because of that, they think to themselves, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to say this, I've got to live this, I've got to yell this, because I have a zeal, but it's a misguided zeal. They may be full of grace and love, but they're lacking truth. They they have grace and love, and they're they're zealous about it, but they're lacking the truth of God's Word. I'm going to step on some toes today. But the idea is, is just... That just because it hurts someone's feelings, we can't say it. As Christians, we have to have what we call a biblical perspective. I want, to, I want you to write this down, biblical perspective. When you want to know what it is that you believe or why it is that we believe what we believe, is it just because it's our opinion? Is it just because of what we heard other people say or because the media says it? No, it's what the Bible says, and that's called a biblical perspective. The things that we look at, the things that we, the way we respond to things, it's all based on a biblical perspective. Meaning, if it's in the Bible, then that's what we do. So does that mean that we start spewing hate towards people that don't do that? No, absolutely not. Do we still love them? Yes, of course we do. But do we condone their actions and actions that go against the Word of God? Do we just pretend like it's, it is what it is? No, we, we can't. You see, Saul's zeal was based on the law. His zeal was based on the first five, the first five books, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He had a zeal for the Torah, for the law. But his eyes were closed to the prophets and even the wisdom literature. The the last 16 chapters of the uh, books of the the Old Testament are all about the prophet and and the prophecy and the, the Messiah to come. But he didn't think about that. He didn't see that. He had a zeal... For, for the Old Testament, the, the law, but he didn't have a zeal for the prophets and what was prophesied to come through Jesus Christ. He didn't see, but he had to see that he was blind. Saul was trying to do the right thing, but Jesus knocked him off his high horse and said, why are you persecuting me? 
If you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you're taking notes, here's why you take notes. Let me just say this. Here's why you take notes. If you take those little cliff notes, just those bullets, you'll remember later on in the week, you'll remember what it is we talked about. And just based on those three to four bullets, you'll be able to say, oh, that's what he was talking about. And you'll remember and be able to reapply this and study it later on in the week. If you don't do it, then by about one o'clock, right after lunch, Somebody will say, hey, what did the preacher talk about? And you'll be like, I don't have any idea. There was a Batman that walked across the stage. and um, That's it. That's all I know. But if you take those little bullets, it's proven that you'll, you'll retain like, so much more. I don't want to lie and make up for percent. Oh, let me do it. I'm a pastor. 95%. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here's the point. Here's the point that I want you to get. Make sure your zeal comes for God comes from God. Make sure your zeal for God comes from God. I guess I didn't put for God, but that, that was me. Make sure your zeal comes from God, that you have that, 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 that righteous zeal, not a misdirected zeal. My message title today, as I've told you, is Flip the Script, and I want you to throw down your agenda. I want you to throw down what you've been, you know, uh, trained up in or thought about, and I want you just to, for a second, consider picking up God's agenda, what it is that God wants to do in your life. This is what God did for Saul. Who is now, we know as Paul. We're going to talk about Paul for a minute. He's the hero of the New Testament. The apostle of grace. Written about and speaks of grace over a hundred times in the New Testament. Everybody else throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, the word grace is only used like 55 times. And Paul says it over a hundred times. He has a propensity to grace. 35 years of ministry until his... Uh, he, he does 35 years of ministry until his retirement at 66. You know what his retirement looked like? His retirement was his death. That's what his retirement was. Uh, if you guys are thinking towards your golden years, think about like golden streets of gold. Don't, don't worry about these years, right? Uh, that's my retirement plan. I'm working on something else though. Uh, he, he resurrects a person from the dead. He prays for a person. They come back to life. He, he himself was resurrected from the dead. I mean... People thought he was dead. They stoned him to death. They thought he was dead. They moved off the rocks off of him and they figured out that he was actually alive. Um, he did five missionary journeys. This is all about Paul. He, did, he, he toured over 50 cities. He writes 14 books of the New Testament. He mentors John Mark and Timothy. He continues his ministry even while he's in prison. You know, I have bad days. I have bad days, but I don't think any of my days compares to Paul. You know, I, I was feeling sorry for myself even in the first service. Mike can tell you, I was feeling down in the first service. But my day didn't compare to Paul's. Like, my, my struggle isn't as big as Paul's was. Yet he continued to do ministry. He continued to trust God. Can you imagine what that must be like? Saying, I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. And yet you get thrown into prison. And yet you still worship him. You still uh, honor him. You don't give up on him. You don't quit. That's where Paul was, even in his ministry. And, and he experienced his own depravity. In Romans 7, he says this, what a wretched man I am. This is the new Paul. This isn't the old Saul, but this is the Paul that realizes who he is. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord, some of you have figured this out. Paul was Saul, and Saul was Paul. This is the same guy, but he had a name change, and he had a life change because he had a face-to-face -face experience with Jesus. And he saw how blind he really was. 
sometimes we need to see how blind we really are. So that's Paul's conversion experience in Acts chapter 9. And the book of Acts is the story of the church and the birth of the church and the growth of the church. And Paul is riddled throughout Acts from 9 all the way to 25, 26, and, and 27, 28. Uh, the, the entire book, Paul, Peter, and the apostles and those that started the work, started the church. But you, you read from 9 to 26, the next 16 chapters are all about missionary journeys and church work. You read the, the, the epistles, that's after Acts all the way up to Revelation. You read a lot of these letters that are written by Paul, and, and these are about like his, his encouragement or his exhortation or even his, his discipline to the churches that were making dumb decisions. Acts 26, though, is kind of nearing maybe the end of, of some ministry for Paul. And he's appealing to King Agrippa because he's imprisoned, and he's appealing to King Agrippa to try to get justice while sharing the gospel at the same time. I want you to see this, Acts chapter 26, starting at verse 2. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, of which he is a Jew, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Okay, so he's setting up what he's about to say. I'm going to skip down to verse 9. He's, he's talking a lot about his background. He talks a lot about his, his upbringing in, in verses uh, 5 to 9 or 5 to 8. He talks about who he was, a Pharisee of Pharisees, under one of the chief Pharisees named Gamaliel. And all of, like, like, he's just giving kind of his resume of how, how he was the guy. Like he knew what it meant to be a follower of God but not a follower of Jesus. Verse 9, though, he says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I went to, was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. And we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of whom you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, and I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In other words, he's saying, I am going to flip the script, Paul. So then King Agrippa He's telling this, this narrative. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and I testify to small and great alike, and I'm saying that nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people 
and to the Gentiles. He's saying, listen, I'm living this out. This thing that happened, happened to me so that I could now become the messenger to the Gentiles. Even as he stood here today, I'm going to invite uh, Steph to make her way back up. Verse 24, it says, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. He says, you're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. Like, can you imagine the courtroom? Can you imagine this? Like, here's, here's Paul in chains. Here's the king on his, like, little bench. And uh, there's a big crowd. There's people there just trying to see what's fixing to go down. It's going to be bad, but let's just see. Let's just get a good, good seat to see what's about to happen. And Festus, he's like uh, one of the leaders, but he's acting almost like an attorney. He's like, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. He's being sarcastic. I'm not insane. Most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these, and I can speak, speak freely to him. I, can you imagine the king sitting on his bench, just kind of getting ready to cast judgment? Can you imagine this for a second? And, and Paul's down there in chains, and Festus is yelling across the room at him, and everybody's like, whoa, what's fixing to happen? I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in the corner. King Agrippa do you believe the prophets? I know you do. So he's like saying to him, hey, do, do you know about the prophets that I, I just recently learned about that my eyes were open to? Do you know about them? And Agrippa the king, sitting at his bench or wherever he is, he says to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? <laughs> ah, here's Paul's reply. Flip it. Let's see. Next, next slide. Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Can you imagine that? Like he saw his situation, he saw his struggle, he saw his imprisonment, and he even said, this is even why I'm here. I pray that not only you, but all who are listening to me would be able to become what I am. Except for the chains, I don't really want you to have to be in prison, but I want you to experience the hope and the grace and the resurrection life. I want your script to be flipped in such a way that it's never going to be the same. Today, we're talking about flipping the script, if you didn't figure it out. And I want you to flip your script. If you've been on a different kind of journey, different kind of path, if you've been going, going a, a different direction and, and maybe you're riding on a really high horse, God needs to knock you off that horse and just say, come on, why are you doing this? Why are you living like this? He wants you to, to fully surrender, completely give everything over to him today. We're doing baptism today. People are going to flip their script. I did some orientations with, with some guys on, uh, on Friday. Friday morning, and, and so I'm sitting with these four guys that are going to get baptized, and I think there's seven baptism candidates. Can we give a round of applause for that? So I'm sitting with these guys doing an orientation, because I want to always make sure they understand what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, why they're taking the step. And so we talk about the, the history of baptism and the purpose of it, and how we baptize and why Jesus, you know, was, you know, baptized by his cousin and, 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 and the, the, the symbolism and the picture of Jesus 
uh, being baptized in the water, the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and the voice of God calling down God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in that same place when Jesus is baptized. On it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture, and I'm talking to them. And then I'm, I'm just kind of like in a uh, casual conversational way, we're just talking. Like, what is it? What's, what's God doing in your lives? And these guys, man, these guys that are, that are a, a part of our Hope Center ministry, these guys that are uh, not, not brand new, not first week or first, most of them phase two, they've been in the, the, the program for several weeks, if not a few months, like, you hear it, but you see it. <laughs> like, you even see it in their weight. Some of them have gained, like, a lot of weight. I'm like, bro, you need to cut back on them cookies. Not all of them. I love you guys. But you see a change. And I just began to weep. And I was like, I don't know why I'm weeping, but you guys are flipping the script. Like the stuff that you used to be and, and the life that you used to live, it's no longer you. You've died to your old self. And you've been raised to a new life in Christ. Amen. And that's what this is all about. That's, that's what we want. That's, I want Saul's to turn into Paul's all over this church and all over this city. Amen. This, this is completely not scripted, okay? So I don't even know. I need, that, I need a mic. Jasmine, bring me a mic if you can or somebody that has one of those mics. Oh, you got one? Thank you. Um, I, this is not scripted. Thank you. Uh, but if one of those four guys that I was talking with, that I was meeting with on uh, Friday, would want to come up, I just want you to be able to share your flip, your flip script. Does any of y'all want to come and share? Any of y'all? I don't care which one. Come on. Come on. It's my brother George. So George, tell us, tell us. Tell us who the old George was, and then tell us who the new George is. Uh, old George, uh, I was a uh, drug addict, and I was blind. Just I didn't see uh, how many people I hurt in my family. And now I'm woke. I got my eyes, the scales out of my eyes. I can see. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my wife supporting me, my, my whole family back there, sisters, brother-in-laws, came from South Carolina. Wow. I love you. And uh, I want to thank the Hope Center, all my brothers, because uh, we live together. So we got our ways, argue, and then we love each other. And then, you know, they, when I'm down, they lift me up. And uh, that's what it's all about. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What is the new George? What, what, what's the new George going to be like? What do you see? What's the vision that you think God is giving you for the new George? The new George? I'm just going to lift people up and love more and, and thank them every day I wake up. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you. That was awesome. Anybody else want to want to flip the script? Want to tell us about it? You ready, Voltaire? Come on, give him a round of applause. 
This, this is one of those 40 pounds. He came in 40 minutes. <laughs> True. All right, tell us who the old, who was the old Voltaire? The old Voltaire was uh, suffering from depression, once on drugs, living for the other side for about two years. Um, heard many people, some that I knew, some I didn't know. Um, real, not realizing how much pain I've inflicted on other people and decided I had enough. Praise God. And um, there are times that I'm reflecting back in my past, sometimes it really hurts because once you are awakened, and once you are truly awakened, you truly figure out who you really was at the time that you did not want to be. Wow. And now that I am awakened, I can't help but thank God so much for waking me up. Come on. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked George. What's the new Voltaire? What is the vision and the new... What do you see now for Voltaire going forward? I can tell you now, standing boldly for God. Amen. Amen. Testifying every word, testifying, praising his name, doing all that I can to serve people, to serve my brothers who I love very much. 16 guys that I have learned to love and appreciate each and every day. Great word, great word. They don't have to, but if they want to, I'm going to give them a chance. You want to? No. Okay. Uh, praise God. Praise God. And I won't, I won't put the others on the spot. They're going to be able to share a testimony outside. But that's what it's all about. Amen? That's what we do what we do. That's the script being flipped in a way that is tangible and real. That's church. That's transformation. That's not just going through the motions and playing games. That's we're saying, hey, you're old. The old self has died, has been buried with Christ, and you're raised to new life in Jesus. Amen? Like the old stuff is gone. Praise God. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to close. Stand with me this morning. Some of you all are note takers, and you, you just want to fill in the blanks. So I'll just tell you, it's hard to see clearly when you're blinded by your own agenda Make sure your zeal for God comes from God. It's good to have a Damascus experience if you meet Jesus on it. If, if you have one of those experiences and you're feeling down and you're like, why did God knock me down? Maybe it's so you could meet Jesus in the middle of that. Amen? Let's allow God to do what he wants to do. He wants to flip your script. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? This is, a, this is an important time. This isn't a time to think about like, what's happening next or to worry about any of that. This is the time between you and God where you're doing business with God. Okay, so I, I just need every head bowed, every eye closed to say, okay, God, what are you wanting to do in my life? This is my business. This is my, 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 my moment, my opportunity just to, to get things right with you. Here and now, God's calling you. God's speaking to you. Maybe there's a part of your, your old script that he wants to flip. Maybe there's a part of your old life that he's wanting to say, you know what, I've been talking to you about this for far too long 
here and now, I need you to give this to me. Man, your, your testimony could be like George's and Voltaire's. It could be one that's like, man, I, I, my life will never be the same. Don't leave this room. Don't leave this building without saying, man, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm flipping the script. I, I, I see now what I didn't see. But here and now, God, I want to I serve you. I want to follow you. I want to I live for you in everything. I want to I flip my script. The first step is always for a, for a, a person that doesn't know Christ, for all, for, for, that is always to, to make that declaration, to ask Jesus to come into your life. It's, we call it sometimes the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. It's less about the words and it's more about your heart. It's about a declaration in your heart that you say, I know that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. I need forgiveness. I need God to forgive me. And that forgiveness comes through God's Son, Jesus, because Jesus, God gave His only Son. That's that verse, John 3, 16. God gave His only Son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting, have eternal life. Today could be the day of salvation for someone in the room. And if this is a brand new commitment or a, a, a recommitment, just because you know that you've got to surrender some stuff to Him, here and now, we're going to pray this prayer. And if that's for you, I just want you to pray it in your heart. Not, not just in your heart. Pray it out loud. And I, I'm asking the room, the whole room, to pray it out loud with me. If you're a follower of Jesus, pray it with me. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I know that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. Today, I declare you my Lord and my Savior. Today, I flip the script. I give you rights. I give you authority. Take my life. Use it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you made that decision, would you just lift your hand? Be so bold as to say, I made a decision. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, let's give God praise for what he's doing. Praise God. Praise God. Give God, give God this stuff. And I'm not just talking to new believers. I'm talking to old believers. I'm talking to the seasoned saint that knows they're not where they're supposed to be. Get it right. Straighten out. Straighten up. This is me talking down at you a little bit, but I love you too much to let you stay the way you've been. Stop it. Let's grow. Let's move forward. Let's stop playing church. Let's start living the way God has called us to live. Amen? Amen. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Sorry. Stop playing church. God, be with each and every heart, each and every person in the room within the sound of my voice, God. Those that, that have a, a zeal, but it's a misdirected zeal. God, for those that are struggling, God, that have, that have that followed you a long time ago, but they've just kind of been on a wayward path, God, I pray that you would just draw them back to you. God, Begin to do a work in them. Thank you, Father, that sometimes you have to knock us down to raise us up. Do that in each and every single one of us, I pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship together. Come on.
hear some praise this morning. You guys came to sing this morning. My goodness. That's right. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Welcome once again to Renew Church. My name is Pastor Mikey. Going to do some announcements for you guys, but I have one question. Who likes chocolate? Yeah? I've got a bag of chocolate right here. Who likes chocolate and likes chocolate thrown at them? All right. There we go. Who wants it? Boom. Boom. Oh. There it is. Who else? Again. Again. Let me give someone else a shot. Oh. We are not liable for injuries. Yep. Hey, there it is. Got you, brother. Where are you at? Boom. Right there. Okay. I just tore my rotator cuff. All right. <laughs> All right. That's enough. That's enough. If you want some candy, um, actually, it's actually a pretty good plug. If you want some candy, join us for Trunk or Treat tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. here in our parking lot. It's going to be a fun event for families and kids. If you want to, if you want to enter your trunk, um, you may have noticed the Cookie Monster trunk out in the front. Uh, basically, it's just giving you guys an opportunity to be creative, do something cool for the kids, give out some candy. If candy is an issue, we actually have some candy that we can give you. Uh, but it's just going to be a family-friendly um, event. There's going to be food trucks. It's going to be a really cool thing. I'm going to be a good opportunity to invite some of your friends who maybe wouldn't come to church. Allow us to get to know them, build some relationships, and, and just see where, where, where that goes. So Drunk or Treat is tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Also, I want to mention on November the 13th, we're having our Growth Track Luncheon. So if you're newer to Renew Church, uh, man, Growth Track is, is absolutely the place you need to be. Um, and it's free food. Does anyone in here not enjoy free food? Nobody, right? Free food is the best. It's awesome. So come November 13th, join us. It's at 1145. Basically, it just gives you a kind of behind the scenes of, of who Renew Church is, who we are. Maybe some of those things that you've been wanting to ask or get to know about us, that's the opportunity to do that. So if you've never been through Growth Track, I highly encourage that you do. Free food, November 13th, 1145. And also on that same weekend, we're having child dedication. So if you have a small child that you want to dedicate to the Lord, uh, meet us at the welcome table. Talk to somebody there. Get signed up for that. Um, a, it's a great opportunity to, to, to commit your, your, your child into the ways of the Lord in front of this church. But it's a good opportunity to invite some friends and family to church who, like I said, maybe otherwise wouldn't want to come, but they'd come for your baby. Like, I'm not going to lie. My child's getting dedicated. I'm inviting all of my unsaved family members. They won't come to see me preach, but they're going to come to see my sweet little baby. So, hey, whatever it takes, right? So, it's a good opportunity. If you got a small child, let us know. We want to hook you guys up and uh, bring up Pastor Trevor one more time. Thank you. Right, and uh, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i receive the offering, and then I'm also going to invite our, our baptism candidates to come up. So you guys ready in just a second? You need a hand with that? That's heavy. Thank you. So... Uh, we're going to pray over the offering, and uh, there's three ways to give, right? Um, envelope, seat back in front of you. You can give online by going to our website, renew.miami forward slash giving, or you can text the word give to 786 
0865. Thank you for giving. You can uh, set up recurring giving that way. Somebody's giving right now. Wow, thank you for that. That's awesome. Uh, or maybe God's blessing them. Maybe God just give you something back. Anyway, but uh, let's pray over the offering, and then I'm going to have our candidates come up. God, we, uh, we pray over the offering. We thank you for it. God, we thank you for those that are faithful to give so that we can do what we do at Renew Church. God, I pray that you would just continue to use it, multiply it for the building of your kingdom here and around the world, we pray. It's all yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so it's not, service is not over. Usually we're over at this time, but if our baptism candidates will make their way to the stage, let's give them a round of applause. That is line up. Come on up, come on up. God bless you guys. Just line the stage. All right, all right, all right. Slide down a little bit. You guys are getting to know each other. Why don't you? <laughs> All right, just line the stage. That's not what we're doing right now. <laughs> everybody wants to know each other. That's good. That's good. All right, so can everybody see? You guys see these, these folks? Don't they look good? Can we give them a round of applause? <laughs> Dearly beloved, Dearly beloved, Christian baptism is a sacrament signifying the participation by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and an incorporation into his body, the church. It's a means of grace proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul declares that all who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his death. We are buried with him through baptism so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too are raised to walk in newness of life. As we have been united with him in his death, we will also be united with him in his resurrection. The Christian faith into which you now come to be baptized is affirmed in the Apostles' Creed, which we confess. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from there he shall, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you be baptized into this faith? If so, say, I will. I will. Amen. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and do you believe that he saves you now? If so, say, I do. I do. Amen. We're going to pray over you, and um, then we're going to make our way outside, and we'll finalize their baptism. We'll do the baptism, and we'll give them a chance to share their, their testimony. But I just want to introduce really quick, this is uh, Maya Rodriguez. This is uh, Renee and Lorenzo Toledo. Uh, these are my brothers, Matt, George, Voltaire, and John. Can we give them all a round of applause? And then I'm going to pray over you. God, I thank you for each and every one of these. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for who they are. I thank you for the declaration that they're making today, a public declaration that they're dying to the old way to be raised in the newness of life in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that this would be a significant moment in their, in their walk with you. And that from this day forward, God, that everybody that they come in contact with would know that they're a follower of Jesus, that their script has been flipped. And God, that they're a new creation in Christ. 
We love you, Lord. We thank you for the great work you're doing in each and every one of these men and women. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people prayed and said amen. Amen. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. So, typically we would say you're dismissed, but you're not dismissed. Here's what happens now. Transition, find the best place you can get to see this thing happen. Let's bear witness to this. And then uh, as soon as the baptism is over, then you guys are dismissed. But make your way out towards the, the courtyard in the front. God bless you.